0: Back in October, I did a wedding for a cousin of mine, and rather than getting married in the church, he and his fiance had booked an outdoor venue at a place called Leatherwood in Perlier, North Carolina. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Leatherwood or Perlier, North Carolina, but Perlier is not far from Wilkesboro, so it's really not that far from here. Now, I had Never been to Leatherwood before, and so I just simply asked them, Hey, can you guys just give me the address? And once I have that address, what I'm going to do is pull out my phone and I'm going to use my handy dandy GPS app, my Waze app. And I'll just plug it in there and then it will lead me right to where you are. So I thought. And so I left Boone on that Friday because we had the rehearsal that uh, late afternoon. And I had left him plenty of time to be there on time, as I typically do. Plugged in the address, and off I went to Perlier. And it took me down 421 into Wilkesboro. And as I continued to follow my GPS navigation, it told me to get off an exit. And then it had me do a U-turn and get right back on the same road that I had just gotten on. And it swung me around to another exit where I could have just turned coming down 421 to begin with. So it took me a whole roundabout way out of the way back to the place that I could have just made a ride at if I had known that's where I needed to turn. And in doing all of that with the traffic going on at that particular time of day, it actually put me behind getting to the rehearsal on time. So as I looked at my GPS, it said, your arrival time is 4 p.m. And guess what time the rehearsal started? 4 p.m. So I hit the gas and prayed that God would not supply any cops on the side of the road who would clock me and pull me over so that I could get there. And th- praise be to God, I was not pulled over, nor was I late. I pulled in literally at 4 p.m., although I had a phone call along the way wondering if I was lost or was going to come. And, uh, but thankfully it was a family member, and i had never been late to any other rehearsal and all the weddings I've ever done, and I made it on time. After the rehearsal was over and the rehearsal dinner had taken place, I asked my uncle, how did you come here? And he said, oh, we just took a back road. It's real simple, actually. You just come down through here, and, and when you go home, you should try that. So I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll try that. Well, when I left, it was dark, and I turned right out of Leatherwood, and I think I was supposed to find this road called Elk Creek Road, apparently, Uh, And I looked really hard for that road. I drove about seven miles, and I never saw a road called Elk Creek Road. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the dark, can't see a thing. And I happened to just look down at my gas gauge, and it says, you better find a gas station fast. I had a decision to make. Do I keep looking for this road? I don't know where it is, or do I turn around and try to go back the way that I at least knew I came? So I did the wise thing, and I turned around, but I stopped off the side of the road so that I could enter in the address. I was going to my dad's house after this to visit with family, and guess what? I had no signal, so I had no GPS to help lead me. So I drove back. I finally get to the stop sign, and when I had come, I actually turned right coming in, which meant I needed to turn left going out, but the GPS started working, and it told me to turn right. Rather than trusting my own intuition, I trusted the GPS. I turned right, and I drove around these windy roads. I had no idea where I was until, lo and behold, it spit me out at an intersection, and across from me was a gas station. It was like the light from heaven. I was so excited that I wasn't going to run out of gas. But then I realized where I was. I was at 321 in Lenore. <laughs> yeah. It took me a minute to figure that out, but that 's where I was and um, so I pulled into the gas station, and my brother and his wife were down from New Jersey because they'd come for the wedding, and we were having this like you know little get together at my dad 's she was with child and they 're expecting in a few weeks, and they were waiting on me to get done with the rehearsal so that we could do this thing together. So I had to call my wife and say, well, the good news is is I'm getting gas. The bad news is it'll be another hour before I get there because my father lives off the 421 Mountain. So I had to come up 321, cross the parkway, back down the mountain, literally the longest route ever to get to my parents' house. GPSs are great when they take you the fastest route to where you're going, but sometimes they have a tendency to kind of veer us off. But eventually get us where we need to go. So as we gather on this Epiphany Sunday, we come to this story of Matthew that speaks of the birth of Jesus, but doesn't say anything about shepherds and fields watching their sheep. It says nothing about angels singing in the night sky. It says nothing about Mary pondering all these things in her heart. You know, as I look at nativity sets, I tend to, to discover a little something. There's only four gospels, two of the gospels tell birth stories of Jesus, Matthew and Luke. And when we look at our nativity sets, generally we see shepherds, obviously baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and then we have these other guys who are there called the wise men or the magi. But when we read the scriptures, we do not find shepherds and wise men there at the same time. Shepherds were there that night, the wise men came later, could have been days later. Some scholars say it could be two years after the birth of Jesus. Maybe he's not an infant anymore. Maybe he's a toddler. We don't really know, but what we do know is that they show up. Matthew tells us, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. This story begins with pagan astrologers who should know nothing about Jesus' birth. They're not Jewish. They've not been waiting for a Messiah to come. They don't have the Old Testament as their guide to tell them what's going on. Instead, these men, uh, wise men as they've been called, are men who study the signs of the stars and the planets. Uh, To a Jew, they'd be considered an atheist, not part of the promise Of Israel and they know the constellations well but they've also noticed this star that appears to be much larger and much brighter than any other in the universe and something about this particular star is different and they experience what we call an epiphany God's revelation of himself to them I can't explain exactly what happened because Matthew doesn't say exactly what happened, but it's clear that God has met these Gentiles right where they are. He has met them in what they study. And he has revealed to them news that the king of the Jews has been born. And this news, this star, moves them into action. And so they decide to take a long journey From Persia to where the star would lead them to Israel, the capital, Jerusalem. I have to tell you this was not a quick journey. It would involve hundreds of miles along differing highways and trade routes and unfortunately they didn't have a GPS or a Waze app where they could just plug in the address and show up to that house where Jesus was but God had given them a sign. he had given them a star and this star led them in the right direction. Their own intuition and their planning would help them navigate to the place in which they could get the answers that the stars could not reveal to them. This star would lead them down winding roads from the east to the west where they would encounter the king of Israel himself, King Herod. Now, upon arriving in Jerusalem, uh, these foreigners are easily noticed because, you know, when there are tourists who show up in Boone, You know that they're tourists because they're walking around and doing the things that you and I don't do in Boone or in Blowing Rock. These foreigners show up to Jerusalem and everyone knew they're not from around these parts and they begin to ask questions. Where is this king of the Jews who's been born? Well, as you can imagine, people don't have a clue what they're talking about. And word immediately gets back to the king himself, Herod, who then begins to inquire about what is going on. So Herod, threatened by this news, asks his chief priest and his scribes where this Messiah was to be born. He asks the wise men of the scriptures who have memorized and who have studied them just like these astrologists have the stars. And they answer back to him, Bethlehem in Judea, quoting the prophet Micah. So Herod, not wishing to cause a stir, He calls a secret meeting with these magi from the east and interrogates them to find out what they know and why they have shown up. And they're truthful with Herod, that they've seen this star and that they've followed it, and they tell him when it first appeared and how it led them straight to Jerusalem. And Herod shares with them what the scribes had said to him, that Bethlehem is the place that the child was to be born he tells them he says go and search carefully for the child and as soon as you find him report to me so that i too may go and worship him so the magi leave and the star that had guided them to jerusalem appears and guides them directly to the house where jesus is found god's gps his natal star leads them to the true light of the world the one in which they've journeyed long and far to see and to worship. That's exactly what they do when they arrive. They bow down and offer worship, as well as gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The prophet Isaiah's words ring true. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. I don't know about you, but I find that there's a bit of an irony in this story. Gentile foreigners who have no access to the Jewish scriptures have been drawn by God to the true star that beams brightly from a stable in Bethlehem. Truth be told, they have no business being there. They have no business offering worship to this foreign child. If anyone should be there, it should be the chief priests and the teachers of the law who have studied the scriptures diligently. Those who have been waiting for God's promise of a Messiah to come. They should be there at that house. Those are the ones who have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And they have the true GPS at their own disposal. The holy scriptures that God has entrusted to their care. Even King Herod, though threatened by a child who could take his throne, knows the prophecies and he anticipates God's promises being fulfilled. However, he's not going to let it happen on his watch when it has the potential to remove him from his seat of power. Yet even in his sarcastic tone to the magi of longing to worship the child himself, Herod refuses to go with them or even send a servant to go with them. You see, the Magi have traveled over a thousand miles to find Jesus, but the Jewish church leaders who were gathered there, they refused to travel just a few miles to see if it's true. The ones who have possession of the, of the divine truth in their own hands completely miss the arrival of the Savior. The ones who the Messiah came to deliver seem apathetic to the possibility that the truth of the prophets has arrived just outside of their city in their backyard. You See, that's the irony of the story. And I believe it still rings true today. Not long ago, we gathered here on Christmas Eve. It was a glorious night. Some of you were here at 5.30. Some of you came to our 7 o'clock service, our 5.30 service was packed, and I know that we've marked off pews and that sort of thing, but it was packed in here. There was not a, really a pew to be had, and there were people in the multi-purpose room watching it on the television in there. Many people came for the pageantry of Christmas Eve to hear the story of the birth of Jesus told yet again. I find that many people show up on Christmas Eve, and then they don't come back until, you know when? Easter. Easter. They come back on Easter, which is the day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And they come for the pageantry and for the story to be read again that He is risen and that He is risen indeed. Now, in pastoral circles, we have this language of our own. It's kind of tribal, but there's a name for these people. We call them priesters priesters because they only come at Christmas Easter. They love the story of what God does for us, but they find no interest in seeking the child who grows up and calls us to follow him. This vulnerable infant, Jesus, he'll grow up. He'll become a man. He'll start a ministry, and he will begin to invite people to follow him, and some will answer that call, while many will make excuses and they'll put it off. You see, I find that God loves us in freedom, and God refuses to make us seek him or follow him. The Magi, they were intrigued by what they discovered in the night sky, but they were not forced to go on this journey to offer worship to Jesus. Likewise, in the Old Testament, Moses was intrigued by a burning bush that wasn't consumed, but he was not forced to go over and take a look at it the disciples were intrigued that Jesus called them to follow him inviting them to come to be with him but they were never forced to do so you now each person made a conscious decision to seek out what god was doing and while science led the magi to inquire what was going on it was faith it was faith that led them to pursue his exact location see, we serve a God who refuses to hide himself from us. And I have to be honest, God can be quite creative sometimes how he chooses to reveal himself to us. He may use angels to announce this good news. He may use a star for stargazers to meet them where they are, or a burning bush to catch Moses' attention. Or he may just give us the most clear revelation of himself to all. right here in his word. We call it the Bible. I used to think, my youth pastor used to tell me that the Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. I thought, well, that's cool. And then I went to college and to seminary and found out that the Greek word biblios just simply means book. (laughs) Man, that was depressing. Um, But it's a holy book. And this holy book is a book like no other because it reveals to us who God is and who we are in light of who God is. And not just who God is, but who God is revealed in Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of God's promise. You see, their scriptures at the time were the Old Testament. The New Testament didn't exist when Jesus was born. It was being created day by day as Jesus led his life. And these scriptures is what lead these magi to Bethlehem. and I find that we don't need a GPS. We don't need a giant star in the sky to point us to God. No, God has given us his word, the Bible, so that we might know God and know God's ways. And the Holy Scriptures are God's greatest revelations outside of Jesus himself. That allow us to see God and to see Jesus and to know the Holy Spirit most clearly. In fact, according to uh, the Guinness World Records, the Bible remains the most selling book of all time, with somewhere between five to seven billion copies printed since the printing press was invented. That's a lot of books printed. And even year after year, it never fails on Amazon or the bestseller list. The Bible is the most selling book of all time every year, every year. And I don't know about you, but I have a few of these in my house. And now it's like Aaron brought her maps. I used to use that when I was a teenager before there was a GPS. But now we have that handy dandy phone that has all those apps on it that we can use. And what do you know? There's even a Bible app that you can use. So the Bible is accessible. It's easy. It's easy for us to have. And even though it's one of the most accessible books that we have, and especially in the United States of America, it can also be one of the least read books in our households. God has given us a gift. And there are so many who refuse to take advantage of it. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I've found that the COVID pandemic has only widened the gap of professing Christians who have developed new habits that no longer involve worship or church or personal prayer or scripture reading. Like the scribes who had the scriptures in the palms of their hands and refused to go to Bethlehem with the Magi, there are many who have Bibles on their bookshelves or even on their apps on their phones or iPads neglect to seek Jesus too but the good news of the gospel is that Jesus welcomes all who seek him and it's never too late to start I mean just look at the stories of his birth who showed up at the manger? Pagan, Gentile astrologers who were by no means considered to be included in Israel's salvation. They were there, excited and overjoyed. And Luke reminds us that there were shepherds in the fields, and they showed up after they heard the news, and they rejoiced. And these guys were outsiders, even though they were insiders, they were still outsiders because they were peasants and they were outcasts in their own culture. Both Matthew and Luke tell us that they each sought Jesus, and in seeking him, they found him. For God longs to be found, but he refuses to force anyone to seek him. In fact, theologically, it's ultimately God who seeks us first and makes himself available to be found. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, he says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The question for us is whether we're going to truly seek him. Today marks one day removed from the start of a new year, at least in our secular calendars. For the church, the new year started the first Sunday of Advent. But for most of us, we recognize that a new year has begun. And when New Year's resolutions come out, we all have good intentions, right? I was trying not to sin. I blew that already. But whatever our resolutions are, few people actually follow through with them for the long term. And today as we gather to worship, I'm not sure where you are in your relationship with God. But you know where you And God knows where you are. And it's never too late to change whatever isn't right in that relationship. I truly believe that if there are 100 steps between you and God, God will take 99 of those steps, but he will leave you to take that one step of faith to come towards him. That step that says, I'll open the door and let you in. That requires us to seek. And it's never too late for us to begin seeking and to have God open our eyes to see him. As we kick off this new year, my prayer is that we would take time to seek the Lord. That we would open up his word, our GPS, to read and to reflect and to spend time in prayer, allowing God to speak to us. Friends, the good news is that God's word will never lead us astray it gives us our direction for each and every single day as we journey together as the body of Christ. Sometimes it's going to give us the fastest route to get where we're going and what we need to know. And other times, like my trip down to Leatherwood, it's going to take us a long, winding journey to figure it all out. But eventually, just like the wise men, we will reach our destination. Jesus promises us in the Sermon on the Mount. He dares us, really. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Do you trust Jesus' words? Do you believe it to be true? Then ask seek and knock and see if god doesn't show up friends may we do so this day and forevermore in the name of the father of the son of the holy spirit amen